If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up to the book of 2 Peter, or as some people would call it, 2 Peter. If you're not old enough to know what that is, it's okay. 2 Peter, we're going to be in verse 3. If you have a Bible app, you can go and use it on your phone tonight. But uh, if you don't have either, either of those things, hey, don't sweat, don't worry. We're going to have the scripture on the screen. So y'all dial in, focus in, lean in, and see what the scripture says tonight. This is our scripture for this series, and then we're going to hone in on some specific verses for tonight. So 2 Peter, starting in verse 3. By his divine power... God has given us everything. Everybody say everything. We need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious, y'all say this with me, the word right here, promises. Everyone say promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Our Father, we thank you for your truth and for your word. We pray, Lord, right now that you would speak mightily, that I might get out of the way and that you might speak clearly to all of us in here tonight, Lord. Have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you, many of you guys have ever heard of Krispy Kreme Donuts? Any Krispy Kreme fans out? Okay. How many of y'all like Pat's Donuts? Any Pat's Donuts in the, okay. Now, I'm a little bit torn because I love both donuts. Uh, as a matter of fact, I remember when I first moved to Houston, Krispy Kreme had just moved out because Shipley's Donuts, any Shipley's fans in the house? Okay, a few of you. Shipley's had a stronghold on the donut market. Well, Krispy Kreme decided to move on out, but Krispy Kreme is really famous for something besides good donuts. There's a little sign that says what? Anybody know what the sign says? Hot and fresh. It says hot now, right? Basically, come get the, come get the donuts. Well, my wife and I were on a, a date down in Houston just a few months back. And at the end of our dinner date with our friends, you know, you got to have a good dessert. Amen? So, I, you know, we're being down in Houston. We're close to Westheimer. And Krispy Kreme right now only has one setup in the entire city of Houston. It's right there on Westheimer. So I looked at my wife and I said, Krispy Kreme, let's go. So I think it's around 10 o'clock at night, and so we wisp over to Krispy Kreme. It's one of the most glorious sights, right? You, you just go up, and you know there's a line. There's always a line. How many of y'all have ever actually been to Krispy Kreme? You've been there. Okay, so you've tasted God's goodness. So you walk into a Krispy Kreme, and they've got like this whole setup. You can actually watch them make donuts. There's a line. They've got all these varieties of donuts, just as you're accustomed to seeing in a donut shop. But then... 
whenever a fresh batch of glazed donuts come off the conveyor belt, how many of y'all are salivating right now? Like you just, this, this, yeah, this bitch is building up. I'm like, woo, this sounds good. They click on a, a sign that just tells the whole world, come get them. And people just start flocking in like crazy. They're just blowing up the parking lot, pull in. It's hot now, come get it. So, so many people are so eager because they see the sign and they're ready to come in and partake of the donuts and the goodness. And then people are taking selfies with their donuts. I know, I know we're weird nowadays. But here's what I want us to get out of this because of course, what the donut shop has to offer us really pairs in comparison to what God has in store for us. And he gives us clear signs. He gives us clear instructions. He gives us clear indications, almost as obvious as the hot now sign about how to grow in our faith and what comes next. I want us to zone in on the end of verse seven and all of verse eight and verse nine tonight. If you check out verse seven, it says this, and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. And what Peter's referring to here is the phila love. Y'all say phila. Where have we seen that prefix? We've seen that word, it's a city in Pennsylvania. Uh, the NCAA champions, Villanova, live in this city. The Eagles, Flyers. What city am I talking about? Philadelphia. You guys ever been to Philadelphia? You, no, okay. Pennsylvania, it's a state in our country, it's really cool. Okay, so Philadelphia. Philadelphia, here's what the word means. Here's what the city means. You may already know this, but it means city of brotherly love. How many of y'all knew that? Because you learned it, got your education on? How many of y'all had no idea that that's what Philadelphia meant? Good, now you know. 80% of the room did not know that. Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. And so what Peter's referring to here, he says, a brotherly affection. And out of this brotherly affection, love one another. It's talking about a kinship, a friendship, a companionship, that phila love. Y'all look to your next, the person next to you and say, what's up, brother? Or what up, sister? Perfect. You guys are demonstrating right there. That's right. You guys are, there you go. It's enough pounding. Some, some people are getting punched in the face. Okay. That's not love. But you guys are demonstrating this feel of love, this brotherly affection of friendship. And Peter's urging people here that out of godliness, again, what is godliness? Walking in great reverence and out of fear of the Lord, becoming more like God because God is holy, he's set apart, and he distinguishes his people who are set apart from the world. And when we grow in that likeness, we become more and more like Christ. And because we're more like Christ, we then show greater love to one another. And so he's reminding us as we're growing in godliness that we're to show love to one another. We see all throughout scripture a lot of instances. Just a few months ago, we talked about Jonathan and David and their relationship. You remember that Jonathan's father, Saul, wanted to kill King David. He wasn't the king yet. But what, did, what happened? Jonathan laid down his right to the throne 
he stepped aside out of a feel of love for David, out of a brotherly love and said, God has ordained you to be the next king. So I will step aside and I will do whatever it takes to help you do that. You remember they greeted each other in the field and then they also helped each other. Jonathan helped David escape because Saul was gonna kill David. That's looking out for somebody. Even when it may cost you something, you still do the right thing. If you look on in verse eight, it says this, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what I want to get out of verse eight tonight is this, is that healthy things grow and growing people change. Healthy things grow. Y'all catch that? It's on the screen tonight? I think there might be a slide. Maybe not. Should be, but okay. Healthy things grow and growing people change. What do we see here is we see that faith produces action. And actions don't just come automatically. But we know that when things are healthy, they grow. I want you to think of maybe your favorite fruit. You think, how, how in the world do you distinguish a healthy fruit? I was at HEB the other day. You know what's so upsetting when you go into HEB? When they, well, when the guacamole samples have gone bad, besides that. But when you're going through the fruits and vegetables and you're really trying to go through and you're trying to pick out the best, how many of y'all have ever gone grocery shopping? I mean, you're teenagers, but okay, good. One day, if you haven't got to do this yet, you're gonna have to figure out, okay, is this ripe? Is it good? Which one do I get? I mean, heaven forbid we, we spend so much time figuring out, is this cantaloupe ripe? Should I take it home or do I leave it here? Which one is ripe, okay? But it was so disappointing because I go in and I'm looking, my wife told me to get, I think it was like two organic green bell peppers and one red organic bell pepper because apparently it's important for flavor and taste. I, I just do what she says. And I go over there and I see all the regular bell peppers I could want, hundreds of them. And then I go over to the organic bell peppers. There are three red organic bell peppers. That's it. There are no green, there are no yellow, three red ones. And so I'm like, she said one, so I guess I'll get one. I go pick it up and it's like squishy. Like, you're like, if I take that home, I'm gonna get in more trouble for taking that home as if I didn't show up with any bell pepper at all. It's disappointing. I mean, how many of you guys are so messed up and so weird that you eat like black bananas? Like you just love them bruised. Like we're gonna pray for you right now. Um, now, how many are the weirdos who just like them straight green? Like there's green as can be, okay? For us normal people in the room tonight, how many of y'all just like a good yellow banana? Okay, all right. Awesome, awesome. It's amazing how all of us really said that we enjoy a good piece of fruit. And you and I can quickly distinguish what is good fruit and what is bad fruit, can't we? It's interesting that our faith as a result produces good fruit. What does the scripture say in verse eight again? Go back with me. It says, the more you grow like this, the more you grow in your faith, the more you grow in your godliness, and the more you grow in your love, the more productive, 
What does that mean? The more fruit your life will produce. And as a result of you producing fruit, you will be useful. In the greater context of God's word and his kingdom, guess what? If you are in Christ, it's okay to be called a tool. Believe it or not. Because God wants to use you as an instrument for his kingdom. And when you become useful for his kingdom, greater things continue to happen. What does failing to develop look like? What does failing to grow look like? I love Geico commercials, they always crack me up. Here's one of my favorites recently, this picture right here. Maybe we can shrink it. How many of y'all seen this commercial? They're like, that's a really cool protein shake. Yeah, some of y'all like start saying the phrases, there you go. This is Jonathan Gray last week, um, really excited for him. But uh, we have some excessive weight training here. But imagine, imagine this. You can take that off the screen now, guys. <laughs> You're like, things I can't unsee. But imagine if you begin exercising or you walk into a weight room or you begin any kind of diet. Literally, if you go into a weight room and the guys know what I'm talking about, you have to push yourself and you need to move weight in order to get stronger, right? If you don't move weight, if you're not willing to push your muscles, you're never gonna get bigger or stronger. Our faith is very similar. We gotta be able to push, we gotta be able to walk, we have to be able to go and see what God does when we walk. We must do something with our faith. I heard this by the great philosopher, Donica Mitchin, one day. She's on our staff. Um, she said this, and it really struck a chord in me, and I was like, I'm gonna write that down. As a matter of fact, I should tweet that. But instead of me tweeting that, you need to tweet this. This is good. She said, if you're not actively remembering, you're passively forgetting. I was like, that's gold. If you're not actively remembering, you're passively forgetting. Like, what does that mean? You do what's important to you. You make priority for what really matters. All of you are here on a Wednesday night. So that means that worshiping or bringing a friend or just coming here to this church is important to you on Wednesday night. What else do we do that's important to us? What else do we remember so that we don't forget? Our faith has got to be on the forefront of our lives and things that we grow in. We talk about spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines would be Spending time in prayer, conversation and communication with God, listening to him, learning how to listen to him. Do you know high school students, you guys have been in a series on the weekends about learning how God speaks to us. That's a spiritual discipline. Well, we use that phrase, spiritual discipline. What is that last word? It says discipline. Well, that's not getting in trouble, but it's saying, I'm gonna set a course and a direction and establish priorities based on what I value, who I value, and understanding who values me. When we understand that God cherishes and God values you and me, our priorities and our values become more like his because we recognize that we are his. 
And out of that, when we spend time with him, when we spend time in his word, and there are many other spiritual disciplines that take place, but when we set time for God, God works in our lives. There's a lot of things we can do with our faith. A lot of different platforms. Many of you, many of you have different platforms that you don't recognize that God has distinguishedly placed you to make an influence and to help change people's lives. In the room here tonight, we got people who are in band. We have people who inquire. We have volleyball players, softball players, baseball players, football players. We have chess players. We have math club people. We have people who speak Spanish. We have a whole set of people with different backgrounds and different platforms. And God has allowed you to be right where you're at to make a difference, to take your faith and to send it out. Tonight is significant, not just because we're going to see changed lives here, But in a little while, there are two basketball games going on tonight. It's Kobe Bryant's last basketball game as a basketball player in the NBA. Any Kobe fans tonight? None. Perfect. Cool. I just asked those people earlier before they raised their hands before the service. Um, And then there's another game, Golden State Warriors, who if they win tonight, they will have set the all-time winningest record in a season with 73 wins. Their star player, Steph Curry, the NBA's MVP, has an amazing testimony how he's taken his faith and he has shared it. Steph Curry uses his platform and he uses his talents in order to bring glory to God. As silly as that is, it illustrates a beautiful point. First of all, how awkward is it when people ask you or tell you to blind yourself. How many of y'all like, you feel get really uncomfortable when you put a blindfold on or you can't see? How many of y'all just wigged you out? Like for me, when I gotta get up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom, I hate it. I hate it, I hate it. How many of y'all have ever stubbed your toe in the middle of the night trying to go to the bathroom, okay? Now for me, we have a sharp corner on our bed, so I've got like this whole like stepping system memorized. I get out of bed, it's like one, two, three, there's the corner, five, six, seven, turn, eight, nine, there, okay? I've got to have it memorized because I cannot see. I'm like legally blind, but in the dark, I'm like still legally blind. So if I come back to my bed and I'm not paying attention, oh, I'll go and I'll just whack my leg. And the next morning, I've got like this bruise, the size, oh, it just kills. It kills. But you could see just the awkwardness of having to put on a blindfold and then to do something that you're, you may not even be accustomed to doing and you're like, I can't quite, and I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't know. And the moment, did you see this? The moment that these people right here took their blindfolds off and started watching, they were kind of like, what just, what? I don't, what? I don't get it. Check this out in verse 9. It's key. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or, y'all say it with me, or blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. Did did y'all catch this? Those who aren't growing, they're failing to develop. They're failing to see because either they're short-sighted or they're just straight blind. They don't see. And someone who's in Christ, who has been forgiven of their sins, doesn't go back to the old life because they've been made new. 
Scripture tells us that, listen, as sinful people, oftentimes, like a dog returns to its own vomit, so do we return to our own sin. And many of you, all of a sudden, when I said dog eating vomit, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a disgusting, it's a gross image. And some of y'all watch your dogs do, and you're like, (laughs) crazy dog, don't lick me. But that's exactly what we do. Y'all lean in right here. Look at me. Look at the white of my eyes. Lean in. As believers, if we're going to grow, we can't keep going back to the old us, the old ways. We have to keep walking forward with Jesus. Our faith must grow because healthy things grow. We must grow. Salvation, right here, verse 9, salvation doesn't depend on good deeds. And you have to catch this, but it produces good deeds. Salvation in Jesus is not dependent upon you doing good things. Y'all catch this? Did you write that down tonight? To be saved, to be forgiven. You don't have to do anything. It's what Christ has done for you. And because of what he's done for you, and you recognize who you are in Christ, you begin growing step by step. You begin developing step by step. God begins using you step by step. But I want you to realize tonight, students, that you'll never reach your potential in Christ if you don't take the step right in front of you. You'll never reach your potential in Christ if you never take that next step that God has put right in front of you. Why would God trust us? Why would God trust you with what's next if you aren't obedient with what he's showing you now? Why are you asking God for something so big and so great? That's awesome, take it to him, but why aren't you willing to do the step of obedience and do exactly what he's put in front of you now? Realize, students, if you're struggling with that, that Jesus wants to make you and develop you and grow you into the person that he wants you to be one step at a time. One step at a time. Just like the person who's short-sighted or blind, listen, a person who claims to be saved, someone who says, yes, I profess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If we profess that, that we're saved, and we remain unchanged, We either don't understand our faith or we just don't understand what God has done for us. So many are like, so what's this have to do with me? Many of you are the people up here like Bryce with a blindfold on oblivious to the steps and the things that God wants to put before you, and you're over here in the same spot doing your own ridiculous moves thinking that this is all good, this is all right, I've got it all together, I'm winning, I'm doing great. And the moment you take your blindfold off, you realize, wait a minute, I'm acting a fool. I'm not, I'm not walking with God, I'm not walking in obedience with God, and I'm not growing in my faith, I'm, I'm unchanged, I look like the world. But for some of you tonight, honestly, you're blind because you've never had the opportunity to see. And God might be revealing to you tonight, he might be giving you the vision tonight. 
He might be giving you new life tonight because he's taking the veil of sin and darkness that's been placed over your eyes in your life and he's saying, ah, let me remove this for you so that you can see who I am, my love for you, my forgiveness, and so you can have new life. And for many of you tonight, that might be you, where God is saying, let me remove the blindfold and show you you can have life and life to the full in me. I'm gonna invite you right where you're at to bow your head and close your eyes with no distractions, nobody moving. It's a moment where ears are open, hearts are open, and God is at work in someone's life. And tonight, you might fall into the category of one of those two students. And you say, man, I'm the one who's not growing in my faith, but I know God wants to do something in my life. What is God asking you to do right now? Ask him, God, what is it that you want me to do? For some, you're the person in the room tonight that God's speaking directly to you right now saying, let me into your life. Let me change you. Let me give you life. Let me forgive you of your sin. Let me forgive you of your mistakes. Jesus bled on a cross for you. He died on a cross for you to forgive you of your sins. He conquered death so that you and I could have life with him for all of eternity and here on this earth with him. If tonight you're saying, I need to be forgiven of my sins and I need to trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior tonight, I'm gonna invite you right where you're at to begin trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior and begin walking in relationship with him. So I'm gonna invite you right now to say this prayer and ask God to change you. You say, Lord Jesus, here I am, Lord. Change me, forgive me. I receive your love and I walk away from my old life. Lord, help me as I walk with you in this new life. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for making me brand new. Thank you, Lord, for changing my life.